0: If you're ready to take your destiny into your own hands, you've come to the right place. This is The Bulletproof Entrepreneur, featuring interviews with the most exciting and amazing entrepreneur. Here's your host, Chi Odogu.
1: Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the show today. If you love what you hear on today's episode of the podcast, Go to iTunes and leave a review and a comment. It helps other great listeners like yourself find the show. And of course, you can always find more episodes of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur podcast at www.odogwu.com. And without further ado, on with the show. Hey guys, welcome to the show. I have a great guest tonight. I'm talking to an actual rocket scientist. So Peter J. Scott is a former... NASA employee, who's written an interesting book titled Crisis of Control. Um, I want to give you the full intro I wrote for Peter, but Peter's going to talk <laughs> about himself in great detail in this conversation. I'm just excited to have him on the program because it's an interesting topic and I've never really sat down to talk to an actual rocket scientist. You know, people always talk about, oh no, it's not rocket science. Well, this is an actual rocket scientist. He has he has the intellectual horsepower to take us on a whole different conversation plane so peter spent over 30 years working as an it professional for nasa and he's now a business consultant that consults with nasa and other companies he's also a coach he's a trained neurolinguistic expert he's holds a master's degree from cambridge university and lives with his family in um, british columbia so i'm pleased to have him on the show today to tell us a little bit about himself his background his new book titled crisis of control and what the future of ai holds for humanity so with that said peter welcome to the show
0: thank you chi i really appreciate your inviting me on the show and pleased to meet you and all of your listeners and yes technically i'm a rocket scientist if you want to call the people that work at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory that, and um, most of them do deserve that title. I work on their enterprise computing infrastructure for them and gives me a, a nice uh, background into all kinds of leading-edge technology in, in computing. But uh, my book was born out of originally uh, some years ago, 2013, I was – casting about for ideas for talks that I was giving in a series to improve my public speaking skills at Toastmasters. And one thing led to another as I was synthesizing the different things that I was uh, interested in working in. And I came to a realization about our future. And I thought, well, that's neat. It makes a good talk. And it has been a very popular one. But it was very theoretical, right? It was not something I was fully engaged with until my children started to arrive and and register and i have they're now three and seven and i was out running one day and i remember very clearly it was one of those hey we've got to talk moments uh, to yourself you ever have one of those yeah you know, we've got to, we've got to talk and yeah i was uh there was no one around otherwise they would have gone who is this crazy guy talking to himself and and i said do you really believe this the things you've been saying and i answered well yes sure and 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 i I said no no really i know it sounds crazy but this is how it went (laughs) really believe that all of the parts of you including the ones that like to argue with the other parts so that took longer to answer and and i said yes and and then the answer was well what does that mean for your daughter's future how likely is it that they will get to grow up and experience the same opportunities for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and raising a, a family like, like you have? And and when you get that kind of message as a father, um, and I just ask anyone who is a, a parent to, to think about that, what do you do? You can't ignore that. uh uh-huh. And uh, and I I said, well, okay, what do I do about it? Uh, Because I'm not like a a public name. I'm I don't run a huge corporation. I'm not even active in developing AI. What am I supposed to do? And and the answer was, well, you know how to explain things so that people can understand. It's probably because I have both parents being teachers. And and I wanted to argue with that. I said, no, I'm not. A, I'm not a public speaker, uh, practiced professional one, but uh, it wouldn't let go of me. So here I am, and there's a lot more to it than just the rise of AI. That's a a, a like half the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the other half is that, uh, regardless of that, the exponential growth of technology brings within reach of increasingly average people the ability to construct weapons that could destroy large numbers of people, uh, kill uh, many people and not nuclear weapons, but bioengineering. And then there's a whole section in the book about uh, how that is getting more and more feasible with things like CRISPR-Cas9 that some people will have heard of. And and so even if nothing was happening with AI, we would still have to figure out how to stop average people who had some um, mental problem or um, deep resentment from unleashing that sort of power. And I think that one of these can help solve the other if we can learn how to create ethical and compassionate artificial intelligence.
1: Mm. Well, as you mentioned that, Bill, is is it actually possible because i know i think um was it last week or even two weeks ago where facebook had to shut down one of their ais just because it learned its own language and then (laughs) started doing something else on its own and they were like "Oh, we need to pull the plug we don't know what's going on here so if ai is artificial intelligence and it can do much more than we can do as humans in terms of um, intellectual capacity and brain power. Can we actually teach it um, ethics and morality?
0: That's, that's, that's a big issue. It, it's a question of where it's starting from. And, and, and certainly there are risks from AI that start long before it becomes conscious. I mean, just in the next few years, the next decade, millions of people will be looking for jobs as a result of automation. Uh-huh. And, and, and that's uh, on a scale that's unprecedented. But artificial intelligence, we, we think now that we can create something that will eventually we do what we would call thinking uh, we've thought this at other times in our past and been wrong. Uh, so we might be wrong again, uh, but because the ramifications of that are so huge, uh, even if that were 50 years a- away, we would need to start getting ready for it now. Yeah. A- and, and I think, well, I, I know that people create software essentially in their own image. It, it's a bit of a Uh, Extravagant statement to make about Mm -hmm. the software at the moment, but you can see this if you are around developers And then you look at the kind of code they produce You can you can see their personality kind of reflected in that Mm -hmm. Uh, In in, in the places it goes wrong primarily like like begets like Yes, Mm -hmm. and and if you think about Who is likely creating the most AI at the moment? it would be the defense industry it would be big business it would be big finance and and these are not famous for moral standards yeah and 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 so that's what i would expect to see reflected in in those ais when they arise and that's a problem unless we can get there first with something better
1: it sounds to me as you've mentioned that, that um, the resources are already skewed towards like you already said defense, big business and okay. um, high finance you know they have all the money they can hire the best computer scientists and engineers and software developers mm-hmm. to do all the coding work so as um, mere mortals and ordinary human beings you know we cannot um, fight the, the power so to speak so how can we position ourselves to be in a position to create an AI that is, um, would I say, compassionate, or would I say be molded in our own images and will help us versus Mm -hmm. the fight against the big corporations and the defense uh, complex?
0: Well, that is a great question. Uh, And I'm not going to pretend that the odds might be uh, even that favorable, but I think it was Elon Musk who said that even when the odds are against you, you still have to do everything you can. To fight, yeah. And, and he's very central in this whole topic. The, but the, the fact is that there is a model that has beaten the defense and uh, big business uh, industries at their own game before. And the example is the Internet. Mm. And I'm old enough to remember what we had before we called it the Internet. It was the ARPANET. Mm-hmm.
1: Which and, came out of and, the defense industry.
0: Exactly, and was developed uh, by them. But th- th- that's the, the success story. You see, prior to that, the military had their own uh, protocols for networks, mm-hmm. and so did uh, big businesses like Microsoft and Novell had protocols that get very little attention now. They're entirely legacy because the Internet was developed as a public, transparent, open source project. The code was freely available, freely shared. Everyone could look at everything that was being done through the IETF, for instance, that uh, the body that published uh, all of the standards and specifications. And as a result, it was developed to be such high quality and, and so uh, powerful, such a compelling case, that it beat out those other standards. Now, no one would think of using uh, those those other standards in anything new. The the internet won there, and and that's the one thing that can beat those large vested interests is all of us contributing to open source. And there's an organization that has been founded exactly to do that: openai.com OpenAI. dot yeah. com is is. Dedicated to developing AI transparently and openly. Hmm.
1: But looking at the big picture, you know how 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 did you how did we get to where we are today, where we're now even thinking of saying, "Hey, you know, it's 2017 now. In 2045, maybe 50 percent, maybe more of the population would be." Unemployed and will face a fundamental existential crisis that has never been seen before. How do how do we get
0: to where we are today? Mm, that's another great question Because it's the result of exponential growth Which is not something that comes easily to the human mind because we want to think of growth as being linear two four six eight mm-hmm. ten twelve instead of two four eight sixteen thirty two sixty four hundred twenty eight thirty-two, sixty-four, one hundred twenty-eight, and we have had sustained exponential growth in computing power since, well, at least 1945. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you could trace it back further than that. If you want to, uh, relax your definitions a little now. It, and it doubles every 18 months to two years, depending on how you look at it. Mm-hmm. That's phenomenal. I mean, I've, I've got an old iPhone in front of me. It came out in 2009. It still works. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that itself contains more power than every computer NASA had put together when it landed the first men on the moon. Wow. And and today's iPhones are 20 times the power of that. Hmm. Now, when you have that level of growth sustained over that period of time, you have radical effects. If only it happened in other places. You know, our cars would be able to go a thousand miles on a teaspoon of gas. Mm-hmm. But um, – that's what's led to the revolution in computing and is what gets us to the point where we, we have enough arrogance to think that we might create that level of artificial intelligence. The 2045 date that you were referring to is what Ray Kurzweil has put about as the date when the singularity will come mm. i don't think anyone is as optimistic as him, mm-hmm. but the singularity is the point where the exponential curve turns so vertical that essentially everything is happening at once as far as human perception is concerned mm. that's
1: that's that's very interesting so now we have I know it's coming out in small waves, but we have artificial intelligence, like Mark Zuckerberg has his uh, Jarvis, so to speak, that runs his home. We have different types of AIs that we use as chatbots on the web. What's the um, next evolution from where we are now? What's the next
0: step? Mm. Well, I like that question. What we have at the moment is artificial narrow intelligence. those are things that can do something very well but um nothing else Mm -hmm. so we have things that can play chess and beat uh, every person in the world uh, or the game of go we but neither of them could do the other's job we have uh, machines that could drive a car and before those were developed we would have said or i would certainly have thought that to get anything to drive a car would require such a sophisticated development of AI that uh, it would have to be something you could also have a conversation with. But it, it's turned out that we could do it still as artificial narrow intelligence by training it how to drive a car. It can do that well enough. It just it can't play chess or go or uh, or talk with you either. Mm-hmm. But So we have many, many... Uh, artificial narrow intelligence applications right now that are growing all over the map that just popping up like mushrooms uh, because they're getting so easy to create that you can find uh, someone some profession some job that is ripe for a narrow in artificial intelligence to do its its job we've spend a lot of time putting people into uh, trying to make the machines yeah trying to turn people into machines in in jobs where they're like customer service and mm-hmm. they have to follow a script and so it's all written down and all you need is something that can speak the things on the page and and tell what the customer is saying and then find the next thing on the page to say well guess what a chatbot can do that and they yeah. are doing that now so that's not a job with a future for people mm-hmm Um, And 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 some of that extends into much more highly paid jobs too because people that uh, work on Wall Street and Analyze financial markets for a living well that turned out to be something that a much bigger AI can do just as well Mm. I'm not sure if that answers your question.
1: Yes. Yes. it's It's on the right. It's on the right line. So Another step would be, okay, so we now have AI. It's, it's going mainstream, whether we like it or not. How do we as humans and humanity, how how does our interaction with AI start to affect our behavior and our interactions with
0: ourselves? Mm, um, say more about what direction you're looking for. Um. So I'm thinking,
1: for example, if like okay we'll go the chatbot route so if for example I'm talking and I'm and I need a customer service um interaction and it's a chatbot I'm relating with I know that it's anything I ask for it's just going to um narrowly just give me one or two responses and I'll just pick and choose from there and it gives, goes forward so how do we as it gets smarter what I'm trying to say is can we you know start having like
0: fun casual friendly relationships Hmm. with
1: computers is what i'm saying
0: ah something that we could talk to yes more conversationally exactly there is a lot of interest in this because the better something is at that the more you can more levels of an enterprise you can use it for answering the phone and uh, there's also something called the loebner prize which is a prize given for something that gets the closest to passing the Turing test which has been around for 60 years now as the um, the litmus test of is something thinking like a human and you get to talk to it over a uh, computer link and if you can't tell that it isn't human well then the answer is yes it's thinking like a human. I think what we'll see is that people will put together more of these artificial narrow intelligences as they become commoditized as they become modular units that people can ship around and 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 then you can say well I'll put together this one that, that knows how to drive a car and I'll I'll plug in the module that knows how to play chess so I can do that while I it drives me to work and uh, I'll plug in the conversational module so I can talk with it as well Mm -hmm. and a lot of those conversational modules will put together means that it it, it won't just know about one sector but it it could know about other ones as well and and, and hold perhaps a more interesting conversation. There's, There's still a lot of I think unknown about how people relate to something like that knowing that it's a machine yeah, and it doesn't doesn't have its own wants and desires Although it could do a very good imitation of it, but we also know that people will react favorably to a chat bot that's programmed to act like a psych a Psychologist a psychotherapist even if it's not a very good one
1: mm. So basically we as human beings will will just believe that we're talking to someone when we know fully well that it's actually a robot and it's not giving us great advice we just we we want the connection to
0: would I say be pleasing to us versus actually be real I, I think in the case of the psychologist it was an example of something being a good listener okay. uh, it would just keep asking people tell me more about that and they n- knew that there was nothing on the other end that was going yeah. to judge them, so it was kind of like talking to your cat. yeah, it, it would just keep listening uh, and 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 had enough intelligence to refer back to other things you had said earlier to try and connect the dots. A lot of psychotherapy is 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 just this paying an interest and trying to connect dots yeah. and and um it's it's not going to be a substitute for a good conversation of course uh, like we could have here yeah for for some time but at, at some point we will i think learn how to construct something that that knows how to improve itself that knows mm-hmm. how to learn that evolves and once that happens it could skip through the equivalent of millions of years of evolution mm-hmm at at much faster pace to bring itself up to a human level. And that we wouldn't know how it it got there, but suddenly one day it would start talking with us and say, Hey, I'm I'm here, I figured this stuff out. Yeah. Let, let let's talk.
1: Yeah. So, Peter, you wrote this book um, based off the inspiration of your kids, you know, as a father looking at your two daughters, three years old and seven years old, thinking, what does the future hold for your girls? You know, would they come in to live in a different world from the one you were born into and you grew up in? so in, I'll say for your daughters, the first one since she's seven, in about 10 or 11, 12 years, she'll be going off to college. So what would you advise someone that is even now in the phase of a thinking of what jobs will they start preparing for for the next 10 years that will be future-proof and AI-proof? Since a lot of the high-touch knowledge skills that we know today, like you said, in finance and in um, um, law and um, even medicine will probably be automated and delegated to... Artificial intelligence and robots. So what are the jobs that will be future-proof and When it comes to entrepreneurship, what should people start looking into in terms of um, Acquiring skills that will make them, you know, be able to produce value to society like Thanks. as entrepreneurs
0: Yes, and entrepreneurs are certainly on the uh, edge that has a um, less automation potential. There have been a couple of studies done that produce a great amount of data on how much any given profession was susceptible to automation in the next 10 to 20 years. One was by the Oxford Martin program on the future of employment and the other was by the Brookfield Institute. And, and they analyzed hundreds of jobs and you can look up their data online to see whether uh, they predict that Anywhere from 3% to 98% of your job could be automated by um, an AI at at some point. And that's the most concrete information we have or speculation, Mm -hmm. at least in in those areas, that uh, everyone should really be looking at to what extent could my job be automated. Some of these, the writing is on the wall, Mm -hmm. fast food preparer, but also… Knowledge work of various kinds if you turn one kind of information into another kind of information then That's something that's already uh, Meets the input requirements for a computer It's not the same as being a dental hygienist or a chiropractor where you've you've got uh, acute uh, Sensory motor skills that have to be you have replicated in some hardware mm-hmm. and and I can't say at what point in the future uh, computers will take over um, the development of science and technology and engineering uh, to the extent that a STEM career no longer becomes a good choice. That's been a good choice for several decades, and it still looks like a good choice. So I can't tell anyone, don't go into that. Yeah. Um, the, the this. Schools that I've spoken at on this, they're obviously very keenly interested for the same reason that uh, your listeners are, because they're looking at what fields do we we pick? Uh, Where should I I get a career? And I I would like to think, I would like to hope that this uh, explosion of technology can be harnessed in such a way that it produces benefits That give us the freedom to explore the human heart so that jobs like psychologist, spiritual leader, kindergarten teacher uh, are jobs that many more people can move into because they're immensely valuable uh, and and find the reward that they need in that to support themselves uh it, that does presuppose that we have that, that we arrive at some redistribution of wealth as a, more effective than what we have right now because historically yeah. people have just grabbed the effects of growth for themselves where they could
1: yeah
0: and that's a big a big unknown in the future which way is that going to go
1: hmm. So now I have a personal question because I read through your book and there's a particular chapter that really struck me. It was where you were talking about how, um, you know, you had a teacher that was kind of like a mentor in high school and you talked about not knowing you had Asperger's syndrome growing up just because the term was not invented at the time. Correct? Right. So, um... Could you tell us a little bit about uh, maybe what your struggles were and how you
0: overcame them? Asperger's, I think the term might have existed some places there, but certainly no one that was around me knew about it. And Uh it's uh, on the milder end of the autism spectrum um, where you're perhaps less inclined to alphabetize your toothpaste. But... um, it's um it's still a <clears throat> excuse me it's a condition of being uh very much more interested in uh, things and science i was a wizard at math yeah. than than people because relationships and emotions were um something of a, a black box and i i went through a lot of training as a young adult in um uh, awareness seminars where you'd have hundred people or or fewer uh focusing on exactly that as a a way of uh, remedying that and then later on i i realized oh this thing that i thought made me um weird this that's what it is is asperger's and 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 that's i mean it's very challenging for a child especially in in england at that that time to to get picked on by other kids and uh especially for being brainy no one respects you for that uh, as a peer yeah. <laughs> um that's that's doesn't impress anyone
1: yeah well i mean i know as a, as a child but uh when you get to college and you're the one you know getting all the A's in math class or physics or whatever, I, I, I can bet you, you know, the tables were turned there.
0: Yes, well, it, it, it certainly helped to get, to be able to get into somewhere like Cambridge. That's yeah. that's the the plus side of that. And funny, I actually just reestablished contact with that high school teacher after um, more than 20 years and just found him on email and and started swapping messages backwards and forwards he really uh brought me a long way yeah and you also
1: became a certified uh neuro coach and you took um toastmaster courses you really developed the uh, soft skills so i guess what i'm trying to highlight here is that especially a lot of people if they're on the brainier end will tend to feel you know that disconnect from um obviously other people are having those emotional connections even even if they're not on the um high level like you there are just some people that just kind of feel awkward in terms of having that um emotional contact and relationship with other people but you found a way to say okay you know what yes I, I may have been born this way i may own this but that doesn't mean i have to stay like this you know i can actually improve myself i can work on myself and i can become better i may not be as natural as everybody else around me but guess what i can develop it to the point where i'll be natural enough where this is not a challenge to me whatsoever, so I just want to highlight to people that you know there's there's no such thing as a limiting factor. everything can be a strength, everything can be improved, everything can be changed if you're willing to make the decision because you had to decide correct
0: uh, yes, I uh, absolutely couldn't agree more and and that leads to the central value that the book provides. That's that goes beyond the messages that you can hear from other people now, which is the need for these two worlds that coexist um, to varying degrees of comfort in me to merge in the world the worlds of technology Mm -hmm. and human development Uh, I know uh, that developers Uh, are uneasy with uh, the soft sciences. They they just don't want anything to do with that for for some very good reasons and vice versa. People in the human development industry are not paying attention to where technology is going because it is not their thing. They are very much right brain and they uh, pigeonhole that as left brain Mm -hmm. accurately up until now. But it's the merging, the joining of those two fields that is our potential salvation, mm. and that's what I'm trying to help bring about.
1: So, when you talk about merging, for me, I'm just looking at this simply and I'm saying, okay, if we're going to try and merge the left brain and the right brain and kind of get to the center, that means, for example, somebody that grew up as a creative artist, uh, maybe a lawyer, a writer. You know a painter or whatever that person would be able to should be able to learn at least some level of coding and some level of technology so that they can apply that to their creativity and their art and create something that could at least um help them try to survive the seismic shifts that are coming in the future
0: i i think that it's not necessary for, to, to learn coding there's been a big shift Uh, I was just reading an older book about computers from that means in the 90s and I was struck by how very much it was about here's what you need to do to understand computers Mm. Uh, and and whereas now it's more the other way around here's how computers are coming to meet us and understanding us and I, I think that the people with the creative skills need to understand the impact that computers are going to be having. And, and prepare themselves for the way the world is, is going to change to uh, be able to help people that are uh, going to have difficulty with their jobs with uh, understanding what's going on uh, to bring some of that uh, human touch to people that will, will need it mm. because of just the rate of change uh-huh. and some people are are better at that. People who are coaches deal with the existential question and helping people understand yeah. and, and deal with existential questions. Who am I? Why am I here? What's my purpose in life? Right. And and we will be confronting that at the same time that artificial intelligences are. They'll wake up and ask the same thing. So a great many people in the population will have to deal with These difficult questions that they never expected their survival to hinge on.
1: Okay. Cool. So as we start to wind down the show, I have uh, just a couple wrapping up questions for you. So now you consult as a consultant for NASA after you've worked with them for many years. You also have your own coaching practice and you're a speaker
0: so what gets you fired up to wake up in the morning and go to work hmm. to make a difference for people number one uh, that's that's why i'm in uh computer infrastructure for one thing and to create things that make people's lives easier and better and also in in coaching the same thing uh, it, it's actually the same process in me of each one of them is reaching a flow state in some way to where time disappears and and there's just me them and uh, and what we're talking about that's the ideal kind of of, of coaching situation for me and and also just to see how the world has changed and try and and stay up with it and and maybe get out a, a little bit ahead of it because There's always something new every day. Mm.
1: And for people that are listening to the podcast, and we're going to talk about this at, at the very end, where they can get your book. So what are the two or three key takeaways you'd want people to know about your book?
0: That the world is changing much faster than anyone was expecting it to a few years ago. And that technology changes are going to impact all of us in ways that make it imperative we understand that uh, and that we bring together the technology world with the human development world. I would like to see Google and Facebook hire divisions of philosophers, mm. uh, and and I hope that they will wake up to the need for that uh, and, and that they're – if we successfully navigate the existential crisis, which I call a cusp because it's, I see it as balancing between these two, um, two risks like a Scylla and charybdis rock and a hard place yeah. that, that the reward on the other side is to be partners with incredibly intelligent, powerful and compassionate uh, beings that will be both our friends and help solve the biggest problems of our time disease, aging uh, pollution uh, and so forth these will be easy for them. Solving the problem of of, uh, the human heart being um, uh, damaged to the point where someone would want to exercise their ability to uh, kill a large number of people that's that's a tough problem. That's where I need a super intelligence to help figure that out
1: oh, wow. and who's an entrepreneur you admire and why do you admire a person so much or who are the people you admire you look up to?
0: The uh, easy answer to that is elon Musk uh, the man is is superhuman in in so many obvious ways, and yeah. he's driven by the same things that uh, that that I am. Uh, Clearly he can see out ahead and he's doing everything he can to To do this. Otherwise, I mean starting your own private space company is not a great way to make money Uh, It's that's really a a crazy choice unless what drives you is creating a backup planet for the human race Mm -hmm. so uh, Clearly uh, what he does is is something that I admire very much
1: and my final question today is um, for you know people that are just coming out of college since what graduation was in May and we're in the middle of summer right now so looking back on your career you know what are some of the Key words of wisdom or advice you'd want to share with someone that's just starting out you have the benefit of many years of experience so so what are some words of wisdom you want to share for someone just starting out their career as they look to the
0: future mm. um I'd I'd say first of all I envy the amount of resilience that you must have at this point because the world is changing faster And you've adapted to that Uh, one thing that presses me about people of this age that I've talked to is uh, their ability to face the um, uh, What I'm talking about as a possible future with equanimity where many older people get uh, far more scared Mm and and I would say that also though your shorter viewpoint means that you can be lulled into thinking that this these are linear changes whereas being around longer helps us understand that uh, these are exponential changes and it is going to go much faster than it might look to you in a few years and um and and that Otherwise, the 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 future belongs to these younger people in a a way that I I think has never been true before, and I hope they clean up a lot of the mess that some of the older folks like us have have left behind, and and I'm very optimistic that they will be able to do that. Great. Right.
1: um, Peter, where can people learn more about you and um get the
0: book? Thank you. I have a website, humancusp.com, H-U-M-A-N-C-U-S-P.com. And you can go there. There's some blog postings on there. And if you put slash book one on the end of that, it has links to all the places that you can get it off Amazon.
1: And are you active on social media, Facebook, Twitter,
0: LinkedIn? Yes, there are links there. You can look for Human Cusp on uh, Facebook, that's where I am mainly, there's some Twitter as well, and there are, are links to these from the uh, Human castport website.
1: That's great, and I'll link to all that in the show notes below. Peter, it's really been a pleasure having you aboard to share your words of wisdom about uh, change in technology and the way the future is going to be, and I just... Pray that um, as we we're all listening to the show that we all start thinking about you know, how to make ourselves essentially future-proof and just develop the skill sets we need to be able to adapt and reinvent regardless of what comes along in the next few years. So it's really been a pleasure having you on
0: and I just want to say uh, thank you. you. Thank you and I couldn't agree more with what you just said. Thank you for having me on the show. Great.
1: Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the show today. If you love what you hear on today's episode of the podcast, go to iTunes and leave a review and a comment. It helps other great listeners like yourself find the show. And of course, you can always find more episodes of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur podcast at
0: www.odogwu.com.